Chapter six of A Soldier of the Legion by George Mannington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six, part two. One night, shortly after our arrival there, it was the sixteenth January, eighteen ninety two, the section was suddenly called out, orders being given for each man to take with him a flannel suit rolled up in his waterproof blanket, which was slung across the chest, and provisions for two days. We soon learned that a long night's march lay before us, for a wire had been received from the brigade to the effect that a portion of Ba Ki's band was marching on Cho Trang with the intention of rushing that outpost, and our orders were to get there as soon as possible by the nearest way. A guide was supplied by the headman of Dao Quan, who led us away by a track slanting off to the northeast of Bo Ha, across a wild uncultivated region hitherto little explored and generally considered impracticable we started off at eleven and it was easy walking for the first mile or so but once we had left behind us the cultivated district surrounding our fort the path went from bad to worse we passed for several miles over a plain covered with jungle after which the track went into the hills, and though we kept up the pace, it was terrible work as we went now up, now down, then splashing through the icy cold water of the little streams coursing down each valley. Though the night was fairly clear, it was dark, and difficult to see ahead in the gullies and dips, and we had to trust to luck sometimes when putting our foot forward. We reached Chofang, a Muong village, at a quarter past three in the morning, and a pedometer which I carried registered eighteen and a half miles. We had now gained the rocky chain of the Nui Duong Nai, and thence the path ran along at the foot of these heights. We rested a quarter of an hour, and then continued our hurried tramp till we reached the Deo Mu Pass, concerning which I have already written when describing my first journey to Cho Trang. We passed through the cleft, going due north, and reached our destination at a few minutes past seven. This was the hardest march it has ever been my lot to undertake, and, as already stated, we covered close upon thirty-two miles in about eight hours. The garrison, they were tirailleurs, for the detachment of the legion had left more than a month before, was on the alert when we arrived, but had seen no sign of brigands. We were all glad to get inside the fort and take a few hours' rest. During the morning a telegram was received, stating that the band had taken another direction, and that all danger was past desiring no doubt that we should not pass the night in so unhealthy a region captain perrin who had come with us started us on our way back at two in the afternoon we went at a moderate speed passing the night at cho tuang where there are some wonderful caves the entrance to which is some sixty feet from the ground in these some of us tried to sleep but were driven away by a host of parasites access was gained to these caverns by means of long bamboo ladders when their village which is situated at the base of the rock is attacked by bandits the moangs take refuge with their women and children in these caves where after hoisting up the ladders they are absolutely secure from attack strange to say they succeeded in getting their cattle into these shelters in time of danger 
but whether they do so by the aid of ropes or through some lower entrance known only to themselves i was unable to ascertain we reached boha at three in the afternoon on the following day during the next few weeks our detachment was kept very busy preparing things for the troops which were soon to be concentrated at this point and we spent a considerable part of our time working at the road from the landing stage on the song tuong up to the fort this had to be widened and levelled so as to allow of the passage of field artillery it was very evident that the rebels were alive to the fact that operations against them were intended for their vedettes were continually in evidence round boha and nanam and along the road between these forts no movement could be made by the troops of these two garrisons without it being at once signalled by the enemy's scouts their methods for communicating information at a distance were really ingenious by day they made use of a code of smoke signals to obtain which torches composed of chopped straw rosin and gunpowder were used at night oil lanterns with a sliding shutter attachment or paper balloons carrying a burning rag soaked in petroleum served the same purpose stores and ammunition continued to arrive so that temporary sheds had to be erected outside the fort for the go-down inside were filled to overflowing on the fifth and sixth march a company of the legion from lang song a battalion of infanterie de marin one of Thierry's Tonquinois, a company of engineers, a battery of field artillery, one of mountain guns, in all 2,500 men and 12 guns, and 2,000 coolies arrived at Boha. These men, who were lodged in huts constructed of bamboo and macaw palm, composed the first column destined to march to the northeast and seize the hill which had been the subject of Lipte's discourse to me on my return from Quang Yen, whence they would be able to attack the enemy from quite an unexpected quarter. At Nanam, a second column, composed of five companies of the Legion, a battalion of Infanterie de Marin, three companies of native troops, a battery of mountain guns, and two mortars, 2,800 men and eight guns, was concentrated, preparatory to advancing in two groups from the southwest along the paths already thoroughly explored by the troops operating against Hu Tue in the preceding year. From Tai Nguyen, a third force, consisting of two companies of the Legion, three of Tireyes, 1,050 men, and two mountain guns, was to march from the west, thus striking the rebels' right flank, and joining hands with the column from Boha, the loyal Delta provinces supplied about 1,000 irregulars armed with rifles, and these, officered by their local military mandarins, had orders to cover the flanks of the different columns, and, whenever possible, maintain communication between them. A French officer was detached to control their movements. On the 8th March, General Voiron arrived at Boha with his staff, and a council of war was held at which all the commanders of columns and groups were present. When the general had exposed his plan of campaign, each of the officers present was provided with printed instructions concerning the tactics to be adopted, particular stress being laid on the recommendation to abstain from delivering attacks on fortified positions unless a careful preparation for the assault had been made by artillery fire. 
great enthusiasm prevailed among the soldiers of the legion and all were burning with a desire to be in at the finish the men of my company being particularly keen which is easily comprehensible since for more than a year this unit had been continually aux prises with the enemy and there were comrades to avenge and sleepless nights and long marches to make good the old soldiers were impressed by the elaborate preparations that had been made and the strength of the force employed and they were unanimous in the opinion that this time the valorous and invincible battalions as de tom pompously styled his troops would be scattered to the four corners of tonkin and their lairs would become the haunt of the tiger the panther and the bear it is also probable that a good many of the legionaries secretly cherished the hope of doing a little looting on their own for wild tales had been circulated concerning vast treasures secreted somewhere within the precincts of de nam's house now occupied by his successor next day two battalions of infantry and the battery of mountain guns left boha and after a forced march occupied the hill already mentioned which to facilitate orders was designated as point a as soon as this position was securely held the engineers got to work prepared the track leading to it and cut a zigzag road up the flank of the hill to its summit so as to permit of the heavier artillery being brought up a thousand coolies worked with the sappers and the task of preparing about six miles of road and cutting a path up the sugar-loafed hill was completed in a little over forty-eight hours so that on the evening of the thirteenth a battery of six guns was established on the top of point a and the whole of the column with its reserve of stores and ammunition was entrenched at its base the light field fortifications necessary to shelter this force were made by the infantry with the aid of the entrenching tools each soldier carried during these four days the enemy had not been idle for their skirmishers maintained a constant fire on the column the workers on the road and the passing convoys and we suffered some casualties in consequence at night their snipers claimed a few victims but up to this phase of the operations the losses on our side were few at this time my section was chiefly employed in escorting the convoys from boha to point a or in covering the working parties on the road we sometimes slept in the fort and sometimes in the camp with the column this depending on which of these two places was nearest to us at the end of the day we had several slight brushes with the enemy's scouts none of which however were of any importance in the camp when not on duty i was glad to wander around from one bivouac to another in the french infantry lines things were generally quiet and these young soldiers who had passed most of their time in the colony in the garrison towns were evidently out of their element most of them when questioned on the subject openly expressed their desire that the operations might be of very short duration though these troops were undoubtedly as brave as their ancestors who fought at fontenoy jemappe or jena and had the call on their patriotism been made for a supreme effort in europe they would have hailed the chance with enthusiasm as it was the prospect was one of a violent end by the hand of an unseen foe in some dark corner of the tropical jungle 
and this to further a colonial policy in which few of them felt either interest or confidence the ever-existing danger from the deadly malaria the distance separating them from their patrie and their homes and the thought that their presence was due to the brutal hazard and ill-luck attached to conscription these were reasons hardly conducive to a liking for the hardships and risks of the campaign not that the morale or courage of these troops was at the least affected by this state of affairs but their dislike for the expedition was evident and outspoken with the legionaries it was different and their bivouac echoed with the rollicking choruses sung by the men as they sat around the fires between songs they would crack jokes at each other's expense and enter into friendly discussions as to who would be the next to eat bananas by the roots which was their playful way of suggesting a hurried burial in soft soil these were grown men vigorous and hardened and therefore better able to resist fever fatigue and privation than the youthful conscripts their neighbors who sat by the blaze and talked in subdued tones of la chaumiere et les vieux in sunny france the legionary possesses a rude but kindly nature and like the soldier of fortune that he is he revels in the adventurous existence he has adopted the hazards and dangers of it being the wine of life to him without desire for honor or reward without even the wish that their deeds should receive public attention these condotteri of to-day perform incredible feats of daring and devotion professional soldiers they are and they will remain unmoved by brilliant discourses concerning the glory and honor of war except that they will express their contempt for such speeches by an occasional wink and a smile at their neighbor in the ranks for they love deeds not words and when led by an officer who possesses their confidence and whose courage is undisputed they will be generously almost foolishly heroic going to meet death with light-hearted gaiety laying down their lives for him without a murmur the native troops were not unworthy of interest squatting round their fires on various pieces of matting they had procured from no one knew where their turbans removed and their long hair falling almost to their waists they agitated the paper fans which each of them usually carried thrust in his belt thus driving away the mosquitoes swarming around their small hands beardless faces and rolling walk as they moved about and the quiet singing drawl in which they spoke left on the observer an impression that they were effeminate it was hard to realize that under this gentle exterior these natives possessed a talent for cruelty and cunning to a degree attained by few other races the causes and probable results of the campaign were of small importance to them if one could judge by the mask of oriental indifference they wore though it was hard indeed to learn their real sentiments on any subject for it was rarely that they betrayed their inner thoughts to a european even though he knew their language and could converse with them the value of these troops as a military unit is a question that has been treated in a preceding chapter at six a m on the fourteenth the battery on the hill opened a hot fire with a salvo of shrapnel aimed at what was supposed to be the centre of the fortified village the distance given by the rangefinders being twenty eight hundred metres 
the bombardment was kept up the guns being trained at various distances so as to sweep the position and its surroundings till nine that morning when a dense mist rose from the intervening forest and obscured the target clouds of damp vapor hung about the trees during the remainder of the day so that all action of the guns was out of the question profiting by the cover offered by the fog the commander-in-chief sent out several companies of infantry towards the enemy's position in the hope of ascertaining whether the artillery had succeeded in damaging the fortifications the passage of these troops through the forest was opposed by the rebel skirmishers who however retired into the fort when the attack was pressed home the columns pushed forward toward the enemy's defense the men being instructed to go slowly and take all the cover available and it was discovered that from this side glimpses of the ramparts could be obtained at a distance of a little under a hundred meters which was considerably more advantageous to the attacking force than had been the case at hutue where all forward movements were executed in the dark since the position was not visible until the assaulting troops were right upon it this important information obtained the reconnaissance retired without however having been able to determine to what extent the fire of the guns had been effective that same morning the second column left nanam in two groups and driving the enemy before them proceeded slowly and cleared the country up to long tuong and din tep where they halted for the night the force from tai nguyen also started on its way to find itself opposed after a march of eighteen miles by ba Ki's chinese who were entrenched in considerable force close to mona luang the first position on the road was assaulted and captured by the legion which suffered several losses but inflicted severe punishment on the enemy this column camped on the site of its success and passed the night there thus the first day of active operations had been a successful one and the advance had been general along the line of attack on the fifteenth march the weather being fine and clear it was found possible to renew the bombardment and a slow searching fire was kept up all day in all about two thousand shells were thrown into the enemy's position the troops skirmished towards the fortifications and behind them the engineers and coolies with the aid of axe and saw cleared a broad track through the forest dynamite was used to level the big trees giants of the jungle in dealing with which ordinary methods would have been too long and laborious towards evening a position was reached about two hundred yards from the ramparts whence a good view of the defences could be obtained and offering to a mountain battery a fair chance of effecting a breach the column from nanam made slow but steady progress during the day and succeeded in driving the enemy from several forts and entrenchments the force from tai nguyen also effected a cautious and successful advance shelling and capturing trench after trench just before sunset we could hear their little mountain guns hammering away at the retreating army before night fell a message was flashed from this column stating that it had reached a point on the road leading to our position about eight miles distant during the day the losses on our side had been small compared with the progress made 
and since the commencement of the operations the total casualties of the expedition amounted to ten killed and thirty-two wounded it was certain that the enemy had suffered severely for more than forty of their dead had been found in and around the different positions captured my section had been on camp guard duty all day much to the disgust of all of us and to pass away the time when not on sentry go i climbed up the hill and watched events from this position the sight was a grand one for as i have said a panorama of the whole region could be obtained crossing the brush-covered plain going to and fro between the forest that hid the enemy and our attacking force and our camp situated at the base of the hill on which i stood was a constant stream of humanity now it was a gang of coolies under charge of a sapper going to relieve some of their comrades who were clearing away for the guns then a string of more of these useful but ragged and dirty auxiliaries trotting along in couples with a long bamboo between them on which were suspended boxes of rifle ammunition from the forest came a little convoy of wounded or dead who could tell from here for the naked eye could just distinguish three crumpled reclining figures each covered with a brown army blanket lying on the stretchers which the ambulance men carried carefully over the obstacles in their path one of the three groups formed by the stretchers and their bearers suddenly stopped and the burden was gently lowered to the ground i saw a man run off to the right something at the end of a strap swinging from his right hand and suddenly i realized that this balancing object was a water-bottle a kindly artillery sergeant whose gun close to where i had been standing had just vomited a shell handed me his field-glasses with a smile and with a salute i thanked him for having guessed my eager desire when i had adjusted the glasses the soldier was back by the stretcher and kneeling beside it was supporting his wounded friend's head with one hand while with the other he held to the poor fellow's lips the flask containing the precious liquid he had been craving for only those who have been wounded can form a true idea of the terrible thirst that seizes hold of a man who has been stricken down water is like new life to him for all his anatomy seems parched up burning and the friend who can procure it is an angel of mercy indeed i recognized in the wounded man and his chum two privates from the third company of the legion dispatched from long song to assist in the operations the parakeet brigade we laughingly styled them because their brave but somewhat eccentric captain had seen fit to dress them in green drill which he declared made his men less visible at a distance than the conventional khaki one of the men the stricken one was a prussian his comrade an alsatian hereditary enemies if some political historians are to be believed but here there was no room for race hatred there was no thought of it in the legion and surely no better demonstration could be given of the fact than the little incident i have described now the belated stretcher was moving on towards a big tent situated in a corner of the camp from the top of which floated a red cross flag this was the field hospital in which the head surgeon monsieur de Campieu, and his staff of doctors and orderlies were very busy for besides the wounded there were numerous cases of fever and dysentery to be attended to 
with the glasses i tried to pierce the shadows of the forest but the foliage was too thick and the only indications of the struggle that was going on there under its vast roof of leaves and between its serried tree trunks were the occasional puffs of smoke filtering through the verdure the distant rat-a-tat of the rifles punctuated now and again by a sharp crack of an exploding dynamite cartridge as it splintered the massive bowl of a banyan or teak i handed back the glasses to the kindly noncom and watched the artillerymen working the guns they were firing slowly now one a minute a captain standing behind the centre of the line of long-necked vicious-looking field pieces gave the command premier pièce feu bang howled the ugly war-dog as it skidded back a yard on its locked wheels and from the distant forest came back the sharp crack of the bursting shell easily distinguished from the other reports arising from the wood the rebels were not the only sufferers from the guns for the continued detonations had driven from their usual haunts the herds of deer which frequented the region and in consequence tigers missing their prey were prowling about empty and enraged at night their weird cop 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 occasional snarl or gruesome roar would waken the stillness of the jungle as they roamed around our camp and on several occasions i experienced an uncomfortable icy feeling from the back of the neck downwards when these sounds approached me during my two hours of sentry go in the dark our column lost two coolies and three commissariat bullocks both men and cattle being carried away by these striped devils as the natives called them a tirailleur sentry belonging to the tai nguyen force also fell a victim to their hunger on the sixteenth a general attack was made by all our columns and though the result of the day's work were favourable for we had succeeded in establishing a mountain battery in a sheltered position within a short distance of the rebel ramparts and the force from tai nguyen after brushing aside all resistance and capturing a big fort at mo trang the existence of which was previously unknown had joined hands with us yet this success was marred early in the day by a costly disaster overtaking one of the groups composing the southeastern column this unit which was commanded by a major only escaped complete destruction and the loss of its artillery by little short of a miracle the two guns attached to the group got stuck in a swampy rice-field when coming to the assistance of the infantry who had walked into the close and unexpected fire of an enemy strongly entrenched on a steep hill covered with dense vegetation for some unknown reason the commander ordered the surprised and somewhat disorganized troops to assault the position an attempt was made to execute this order but it was unsuccessful and the column suffered severe loss two officers and twenty-six men being killed and one officer and thirty-two men wounded a company of legionaries who were scouting in the neighborhood fortunately created a diversion by attacking the rear of the enemy's position and this allowed what remained of the little column principally composed of french infantry and tirailleurs to retire in comparative safety with their guns unfortunately a certain number of the slain were left behind among the trees on the side of the hill and these with their rifles and ammunition fell into the hands of the enemy 
the officer responsible for this gross blunder was sent back to hanoi pending an inquiry and the incident cast a passing gloom over the operations though this partial success somewhat revived the already ebbing courage of de tam's tried and devoted veterans large numbers of his less enthusiastic supporters were continually breaking away from his little army and gliding between our outposts for it was impossible to establish with the troops at the disposal of our leader a complete cordon in a district so vast and offering such good cover some of these small bands made their way to the south and found refuge in the friendly village of the lower yente others went north and obtained security in the territories occupied by the chinese chief the following day saw the downfall of the enemy's central position for after a bombardment of three hours by the guns on point a and by the mountain batteries of the different columns which were now on three sides of it the defences were rushed at two points at three in the afternoon though i took part in this final assault it is hardly necessary to describe in detail the fighting suffice it that the route of de tam's force was complete once inside the fortifications one and all were struck by the immense amount of labor and skill that had been expended on their construction the colonel in command of the artillery during the operations stated in his report that it might be roughly estimated that at least fifteen hundred coolies working continually during nine months must have been employed to complete these defences the superficial area of the interior of the position was about one square mile and upon it more than a hundred constructions had been erected consisting of lodgings for the chiefs barracks for the men huts for the women and children two fine pagodas and a big grain store raised from the ground on stone pillars and containing more than five hundred tons of rice when the position fell into our hands the ramparts were splendidly constructed and in some places three lines of marksmen placed one above the other could find protection behind them being sheltered from the artillery fire by casements on three sides the song swa served as a moat to the fort while on the fourth a canal had been cut for the same purpose the enemy suffered great loss during the final development of the attack and numerous were the bodies strewn all over their position or hurriedly buried in the banana and areca palm plantations surrounding some of their houses as an example to all insurgents and also to put a stop to the dangerous and superstitious legends in circulation concerning the supernatural powers of de nam the body of this chief was disinterred and his remains scattered to the four winds the skull of the famous rebel is now in the possession of a military doctor of high rank unfortunately de tam together with a few of his most faithful supporters succeeded in making good his escape from the fort shortly before the troops entered though this chief was never again able to organize rebellion on such an elaborate scale he nevertheless gave great trouble to the french authorities and inflicted severe losses on the troops sent against him during the next five years the most important part of the operations against the yente rebels was now terminated during the following week the columns split up into groups made regular battues through the forests and jungle of the region and many more of the rebels were captured or slain 
there can be no doubt that the success of the expedition the rapid downfall of the numerous strong positions and the penetration by the french troops into that mysterious region the soil of which the natives had been led to believe would never be violated by the foot of the western foreigner produced a lasting and beneficial effect on the minds of the whole of the population of tonquin and did more to impress on them the fact that the domination of the country by the french was irrevocable and definite than thousands of printed manifestos bearing the name of a president or a governor-general whose importance was small in the eyes of the annamese when compared with the lustre attached to their exiled monarch several of the minor chiefs recognizing the futility of further resistance came in with their men and surrendered to the authorities in nanam and boha in this way during the fortnight that followed the capture of their positions the rebels brought in nearly two hundred rifles about five hundred of the enemy who had succeeded in getting away to the south established themselves in several villages near dap Kau, and pillaged the surrounding country their success was short-lived however for though the majority of the troops were now being sent back to their respective garrisons two thousand men and two guns were sent against them under the orders of lieutenant colonel guile and a fortnight later owing to the skilful tactics of this officer the flickering embers of revolt in the lower yente were stamped out and the supporters of the movement scattered or slain End of chapter 6, part 2